0: Entrepreneur on Fire, episode 270. Fire, 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 fire.
1: Your daily dose of inspiration, encouragement, and energy from the most successful entrepreneurs in the world. Prepare to ignite now. now. This is Entrepreneur on Fire with John Lee Dumas.
0: Entrepreneur on Fire, fire. fire. What's bacon, Fire Nation? Did you know that Audible.com offers a monthly Audible listener program? Get a free audiobook and 30-day trial today by signing up at audiblepodcast.com slash fire. That's audiblepodcast.com slash fire. Okay, Fire Nation, let's get started. I am simply thrilled to introduce my guest today, Stefan Arstall. Stefan, are you prepared to ignite
1: uh, definitely i 'm John and thanks thanks for
0: having me <laughs> all right. Stefan is an entrepreneurial thought leader and online marketing expert. He is the founder of Tower Paddleboards, which garnered an investment from billionaire Mark Cuban on abc 's Shark Tank and was named one of the top ten success stories in the history of the show by entrepreneur magazine I've given Fire Nation just a little overview, Stefan, but take a minute. Tell us about you personally. We want to get to know you, and then give us an overview of your business.
1: I've been in the you know the online marketing and sort of business world since uh, 1999, and uh, after about five years of working in sort of the, the corporate world, I went out on my own, started a, a poker chip company, and then you know a few other companies along there. And um, my most recent one is, is Tower Pad as you just described, um, where we got Cuban as an investor on Shark Tank. Um, and I kind of, you know, started the company with the idea of just, you know, what would be my ideal job? And I thought the ideal job would be sort of to be the CEO of a surf company. So I, I went into this with that and, you know, uh, I, I saw paddleboarding uh, sort of as a booming uh, sport and I decided I'm going to you know create a company there. And that's, that's what we did. And it's been uh, just about three years now.
0: Love that. And a lot of Fire Nation listeners are huge fans of Shark Tank. So let's get a little inside glance here. How often do you actually talk one-on-one with Mark Cuban?
1: It's amazingly, uh, you know, frequent. So I, uh, and he must have 70 or 80 companies under him. Yeah. To me, I didn't really even think I would have, you know, direct contact with him. um, Because after the show, you know, you do the deal on the show and then there's due diligence after the fact. So Um, some of a lot of those deals don't go through. And I've heard numbers as low as like 30% of the deals actually go through. And when I was, you know, doing that sort of due diligence stage after after the fact, um, I was dealing with Cuban's uh, point man. Uh, He had, there was a legal point and then sort of a point businessman for a lot of his, you know, Shark Tank investments or other investments as well. Um, And so right up to where we signed the contract, I was dealing with those guys. And then um, I did negotiate, you know, one deal point in there that Basically said, I want to use you know Mark Cuban's face, you know on our, on our front page of our website because we were sort of a, a no name brand in this industry, and just by you know his sort of endorsement there or his face, um, you know that's a brand people recognize. So that was very important to me. Almost, actually, a lot more important to me than the the money that was coming in because of the deal. Um, but then as soon as the deal was signed, um, the guys were like, okay, now you need to CC. Here's Mark's email address. We want you to CC him on all communications. But in reality, it's it's just the opposite. It's like I'm c- c- seeing the rest of the team on the communications because I can email him, you know, at eleven at night on a Sunday, and he'll get back to me in ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Usually, it's about you know three or four words. It's very abrupt, and it's not always what you want to hear, but. The guy works around the clock and uh, so it's it's great access. You know?
0: Wow, I love it. And I'm on your site right now and it's just great because you have Mark Cuban top left with his quote Tower is like the Dell of stand up paddle boarding. Mark Cuban, billionaire, Dallas Mavs owner, part owner, tower paddle board. So you're definitely taking full advantage of that, Stefan.
1: And the, the funny thing is I'm an I'm an SEO guy. Um, so you know, we do really well in the search engines for stand-up paddleboards. And if you'll look, if you'll Google, a lot of times you'll find our listing and it will have that quote in the uh, in the actual organic search results. <laughs> so it's kind of like a celebrity endorsement in your search results.
0: Oh man, that is phenomenal. That's great stuff. So listen, we're going to dive more into Tower Paddle Boards and everything about that further on in the interview. But before we do, we love starting Entrepreneur on Fire Off with a success quote to get that motivational ball rolling stuff in. So take it away.
1: Okay. So I, uh, my favorite success quote is probably by uh, Bob Marley and it's emancipate yourselves from mental slavery. None but ourselves can free our minds. And I think that uh, for, for entrepreneurs, it has, you know, there, there's a lot in that for them because a lot of people just, you know, sort of are in the world and they just sort of do what everybody else is doing. Um, but to sort of, you know, cut your own path, you really got to take a step back and, you know, think critically about what you want to do and not just sort of follow the herd.
0: And that's exactly what you did. You just stepped back and you said... What do I really want to do? I want to run a surf company. That would be super cool. I would love that. And what did you do? You created it. I don't want to say out of thin air because obviously it takes a lot of hard work and you utilize all of your experience through the years to make it happen. But now you're sitting exactly in the position that you were picturing. So that's just a great lesson learned for Fire Nation. And I love that quote and I'm really glad you shared it with us. That's the first Bob Marley quote that we've had on <clears> 270 episodes of Entrepreneur on Fire. So thank you for sharing that with us, Stefan. And let's move forward. Let's go into your journey as an entrepreneur because that's what Entrepreneur on Fire is all about. We like to talk about the life of our spotlighted guests. And that's you today, Stefan. So share with Fire Nation a time that you failed, that you fell flat in your face, or when you faced this massive challenge or obstacle that you had to overcome. And how'd you overcome that?
1: after i started the poker chip company and that one did really well uh you know it was a business that was doing maybe half a million a year
0: give us at. a little background what was that poker chip company
1: okay it's called buypokerchips.com it's an online you know poker chip company that sells high-end poker chips cool. you know 500 to 1500 poker chip wow. sets um but it's you know it's worldwide but you know a micro niche uh company um and you know i started that in about 2003 and it was you know, up and running doing basically half a million a year in revenues. I mean, not a huge company by any means, but enough to sort of, you know, you can work for yourself. And but it only required like 10 to 12 hours a week uh, of work. Um, so I had all this free time and I was looking for other businesses. And it's, it's tough when you're actively looking for a business. You know, opportunities just you got to kind of take them as they come. It's hard to create one. Um, so anyway, I started a separate company. Um, for set of kids' toys, it was called Discmo. Um and they were actually little poker chips that had these little kids' images on them. And we did sets and like you know, geography sets or you know, animals of Africa sets or all these sets. It was a, it was a cool educational toy. Is what we thought, and little kids just loved these. And it was like a learning tool. Brilliant product from you know everybody that I talked to. Um, so I launched this you know uh, kids company with a, with a friend of mine, a college buddy, and. The, the problem is it 's different than some of the other businesses that i 've done, uh, like the paddle boards and the poker chip businesses, are businesses that people are actively searching for um, because my, my my business background is in you know search engine optimization so you figure out what demand is and then you meet that demand you create a product to meet demand, whereas this toy company um, was coming out with a product and then going and trying to drum up demand or plug it into. Um, and so the, the, the lesson here, and we, we failed in this toy company. We went to our first trade show um, and, you know, we, we exhibited at the trade show. We won a top 10 toy of the show. Wow! First trade show ever. Um, it was like the specialty retailer toys, all of like the Doug and Melissa types toys. Fantastic, you know, reception by the sort of the, the people in the industry, but we had two sales. You know, two <laughs> wholesale sales. <laughs> and you know we never sold any of these things. Even when we got them in the store, then they wouldn't move from where the store shelf on. So this is a product that you had to sell to people. So the, my takeaway f- from this was I'm going to stick with products where I know there's demand and just meet existing demand because just trying to come up with like a creative product that is that is only uh, you know one tenth of the uh, the ball game there. You actually have to get people to buy this, no matter how good of a product it is.
0: Wow. I love that story stuff. And I really can see you there, loving your concept, getting all this great reception. And then boom, crickets when it comes to sales. And boom, crickets when it's in the store on the shelves. It just wasn't happening. And we've had Eric Reese on the show. We talk about the lean startup all the time and how important it is to get these products out there, these minimally viable products, these minimally viable ideas, get them out there as soon as possible and get feedback, feedback from actual customers and have them vote with their wallets, not just with their yes and their approvals, but no, their wallets. Actually get them to vote that way. So Lot of lessons in there, and if you could just boil that experience down to one clear lesson, what would it be, Stefan?
1: I mean, it's what you were talking about there with Eric Reese. I mean, you're you want to know that people are going to buy this before you even start making it. Um, so if, figure out how you're going to do that, and it's different in different parts of the business. If you're tar- starting an entire business, you want to make sure you know, demand is there um, for the business, and you can do that by um. You know, looking at what people are searching on—that's an, an expression of demand. So, for for my type of business, I actually know whether people are going to buy this or not buy it before. Uh, that's not a really boiled down. Uh- <laughs>
0: It's boiled down. We like it. That was direct. You agreed with me, which I as the host love. I mean, it was a great answer. But let's go to the other end of the spectrum now, Stefan. You shared a failure, a challenge, an obstacle that you faced. Now let's go to that aha moment when there was a light bulb that just went off in your mind. You sat up and you said, wow, this is going to resonate with me, with my target audience. I feel like it's going to be an authentic gesture in my life. Share with us that moment, Stefan, and how'd you turn that moment into success?
1: Okay. Well, I mean, we discussed briefly earlier about uh, me sort of defining sort of the type of business that I would like to do. I wanted it to be sort of a business that had huge potential, but sort of a lifestyle business. So I was like, I idealized what I would want to do, like the CEO of a surf company. And then, you know, that wasn't the only thing. There were other things that I would like to do. It has to, you know, add to society or this. It has to be fun. Oh all of this so you sort of get that picture out there and then you just sort of you know wait for stuff to happen and you know introduce yourself to new stuff and then and then you can be work really quick when you see an opportunity that aligns well with you know your sort of target there so a buddy of mine took me out um you know paddleboarding for my first time ever i'd never you know paddleboarded before um and we were out it was like seven o'clock in the morning in La Jolla Shores here. And I, you know, we're out there, you know, paddling around and there's literally a 65 year old guy next to me on a paddle out of shape guy. And he's catching waves left and right. You know, and I'm sort of struggling about the first half an hour with this. <laughs> and I, I asked this guy, I'm like, dude, you've been doing this. You're, you're pretty good at this. How long have you been doing it? It was his fifth day. Uh, <laughs> so I was like, Holy cow, anybody can do this. Uh, you know, and about a week later, Uh, I went and got myself a board and I had a a five-year-old son at the time and I would put him up on front of the board and do it. And after a few days, he could ride the thing by himself. And so there was this epiphany, you know, 65-year-old guy to five-year-old kid can do this sport. You can do it in the waves. You can do it on the bay. I live on a a bay. So it's more of a flat water. I'm like, this is going to, this is a massive market. I mean, I don't think people really realize, you know, the potential of you know, who can do a sport like this? And so I, I really started looking at the, you know, the search statistics for it. And you could see it was an industry that was exploding 100% per year growth for like five years straight. Um, you know, everybody in the industry saying it's going to be the number one water sport in the world. Um, and so that, that was sort of really exciting. It was very close to a business that I had already done. And it was like, you know, I, you can kind of see the future in with certain opportunities. And that's that's what I saw here.
0: I love that for so many reasons because I had a similar path with Entrepreneur on Fire. I saw this opportunity. There was this niche that wasn't being filled. Nobody was producing a daily podcast. I did some research. I saw the trajectory of podcasting because of the smartphone explosion. Now, all of a sudden, everybody has a smartphone. They can stream podcasts wherever, whenever, and there were so many other reasons right along those lines. Man, so I definitely resonate with your journey. And just for a little side note, Fire Nation, this is kind of cool. That bay that Stefan's talking about is the exact same bay that I live on right here in Pacific Beach. He actually lives about 100 to 200 yards away from me. So as we're talking here over Skype, We're actually very close physically as well, which is really cool. I've really been enjoying connecting with you, Stefan, because of your location and hearing your story and your experiences on all levels. But that reason as well. So share with Fire Nation one clear lesson. Let's boil it down again that you learned from this aha moment.
1: As you acquire all these sort of you know business skills and and lessons learned along the way, after about you know ten or fifteen years, I think I just think it it sort of clicks with you. You have enough, enough expertise. Um, and you get to a point where you can actually see around corners, you know, because, you know, you've just sort of, you've been there before and as stuff comes up, you're, you're no longer having to analyze it so much. You can just sort of, you get sort of a gut feeling on how to do certain things. I mean, it was exactly what you were talking about with your, with your podcasts, you know, you're keeping on top of technology with smartphones and then it, it just, it, it becomes very, you know, crystal clear how to do stuff.
0: So, Stefan, you've had some great entrepreneurial successes in your life. You have shared many of those with us. Have you had an "I've made it" moment?
1: You know, that's the uh, <laughs> that's the challenging thing. Being an entrepreneur. <laughs> you know, my my father was uh, he was an optometrist, so that's you know, it's sort of half doctor, half like you know, retail sales, and you know it. And it took him a long time to become successful in that model. Like it's it's a lot easier, and I tell this to a lot of people. Um, to go out and get a corporate job where they're going to pay you six figures and give you benefits and stuff like that. Yeah. When you, you know, walk away into the entrepreneurial world, I mean, <laughs> it's not immediate success. And that's probably I mean, there are those sort of uh, exceptions to the rule. Few and
0: but, far in between.
1: But even uh, you know, with it feels like you're having success, you still don't have success because usually you're you've borrowed a lot of money to get into there. <laughs> Um you, all of a sudden you have these massive tax bills. You're
0: giving um, half your money to Mark Cuban. I mean <laughs>
1: exactly. <laughs> so, you know, we're gonna do you know four million uh you know dollars in sales this year um in a three-year-old company. And you would think that you know you could just write your own ticket at that point, but it's still a matter of like balancing everything. Like I think I'm at a point now where it's sort of a foregone conclusion there's gonna be a certain level of success. Um but it's it's not immediate. And, you know, it sort of shocks you. It's like uh, it's interesting.
0: So one thing we love talking about here in Entrepreneur on Fire, Stefan, is the journey because so many people look at their journey in different lights. So share with Fire Nation your philosophy on the entrepreneurial journey itself.
1: Sure. Um, yeah. You know. So I'm a, I'm a traveler as well. Um, I did like backpacking, traveling. You know, coming out of uh, college. And so I would go on, you know, three months at a time here and there. And you meet a lot of people on, on those trips, from all over the world. And a lot of those people that I've met have, have gone on to be entrepreneurs because I think it is a, it is a journey a lot. Like, you know, sort of traveling to some foreign country with a different culture and stuff like that. And you, what you learn when you're traveling is that sometimes some of the hardest, you know, moments or the most difficult things that happen or the things that you think at the time, it's just, this is, you know, tragic, whatever is happening. Um, those are the most memorable things. And then, so you learn to even enjoy those. Um, when you, when you, when you become like a traveler, not just going on a vacation for two weeks, or something like that, but you learn to enjoy the, the down moments as well as the, the up moments, because, you know, it's just sort of all memorable moments of sort of this journey. And if you can apply that to, you know, sort of your career and, you know, building a business, because there's always stuff that goes fantastically wrong. Um, but you can learn to spin anything into a positive. I mean, if you think of it that way and it really is, uh, even if you're not making any money doing it, it's, it's this enjoyable journey, you know, and they, uh, you know, my investor, you know, business partner, Cuban, um, he, he also always, always talks about how, um, you know, business is like the greatest sport out there. And I was also an athlete when I was a kid and I enjoy that sort of competitive nature and business is this sort of 20, 24 seven sport that you do that I mean, it's just an amazing journey to me.
0: I love that. And you would sum up that you are enjoying your journey, Stefan.
1: Oh yeah. It's uh it's it's a lot of fun and the, the only problem you gotta you when when work no longer becomes work and you actually enjoy going to work, <laughs> you have to like put in, you know, sort of structure in there totally. so that you can balance your life. Cause uh you know <laughs> you can get like two years into it and you realize you're like not doing anything else in your life—that's <laughs> that's very easy to do. But you're having a good time doing it, and a lot of people don't even understand why you would do that. Um, but you're building something; it's a creative process. But you need to—you need to maintain balance in life, obviously, uh, for you know, long-term healthy life. And that's kind of where I'm at now. I think that's how you know when you've made it—you <laughs> decide, okay, I need to reestablish some balance here.
0: <laughs> so true, and I can tell you a firsthand story. My girlfriend left her job as a very high-level account executive about four months ago to join Entrepreneur on Fire full-time as our director of content creation. She's very passionate about the company and she sees my passion. And one time, just a couple weeks ago, we were talking and I was like, so what's the biggest negative about working with me and being part of Entrepreneur on Fire? And she's like, Well, your head's always in the business. It's like that's all we ever talk about. We need to establish some kind of work-life balance. So I totally hear you. It's something I need to work on personally because I'm so passionate about it. I could do nothing else but eat, sleep, and dream Entrepreneur on Fire and everything about the business. So I need to make sure that I get out on my paddleboard a lot more often with some other thoughts in my mind than just the business. That's
1: a great, uh, great point there. And I think like good entrepreneurs, um, they're good at building business. I think the people that become like, exceptional entrepreneurs, they take another step where they start to basically work on themselves in a similar way you would work on a business. And so when you reach a certain level of success, you step back and you see, you see the world, sort of a larger world, and you, you really do start to work on yourself in addition to your business.
0: Fascinating. Thank you for sharing that insight. I love that, Stefan. So let's move up to present time right now. You have so many exciting things going on. Share with Fire Nation one thing that's really
1: exciting you about
0: your business today.
1: So, yeah, and this is a recent development. I just uh, like we've been working with uh, because we're in San Diego and, you know, we make our paddle boards overseas. So it's in China and 99 percent of the industry um, does overseas productions. But because we're a direct-to-consumer company, we don't have all these levels of, of, of distribution levels where you know, there's all this markup going on. So we're, we can sell for our paddle boards for about half the price of what everybody else is selling, a comparable quality board. Um, so for about the last year, we've been working with this local guy to repair some of our boards, and he's a, a local shaper, and he was one of the early guys in stand-up paddle boarding. His name's Byron Olson. And he, in like 2003, 2004, 2005, he was personally making boards for Laird Hamilton and a lot of these top guys before the paddle industry you know, took off. Where the where the surfboard manufacturers were all of a sudden like, oh, we should be making boards for this. This guy's been you know making products in this in this industry since like the '80s. Just oh, you know, world class. Probably one of the best paddleboard makers in the world. Wow. So we brought this guy on. And now we're going to open up a, a U.S. factory, you know, making boards here locally. And we're going to be able to sell these boards now that are in the industry, you know, for 2000 to $2,500. We're going to be able to make, a, you know, a U.S. made board and sell it for about half the price of that and make it in the U.S. So I think wow. that's, a, that's like an exciting development. And we're just like I'm looking at warehouse space tomorrow. And this is something that is really going to, you know, blow away the industry. And this is what you can do with technology you can, you know, where where a lot of companies, you know, your overseas jobs and stuff like that. But if you get so efficient, you can actually, you know, bring those jobs back. So that's, that's an interesting development.
0: Wow. Well, I commend you for that. I'm really excited to hear about that as well. So let's move forward here for one second, because I want to give you some real time customer feedback. In Fire Nation, Stefan and I have not pre chatted about this. So he has no idea what's coming. But Stefan, let me tell you a quick story. I moved to PB just a couple months ago, May 15th, knowing that I wanted to start paddleboarding. I knew I wanted to because it's just something I know I will enjoy. And I specifically chose a place near the bay so I could make that happen. But I've hesitated thus far to pull the trigger for paddleboarding because of this reason. And I know so many people in Pacific Beach specifically have the same situation, and I'm sure across the country, but specifically Pacific Beach because of the natural living environments that we have. For me and my girlfriend, we live in a complex of 30 other one-bedroom apartments. We have this nice center courtyard with grills and with a pool and a lot of other things But one thing that we don't have is a lot of space within our one bedroom. I just have a one bedroom and it's quite small but it's in a great location and that's what we are focused on. So I wanna get a paddle board But where the heck could I store this thing and how do you secure it? Because I know there's somebody in my community, which I will not name because somebody could potentially listen to this and come steal it, but he has this real fake kind of thing just wrapped around the board. You could just pull it right out. You know, Maybe it will deter someone that doesn't take a look at it, but he has a paddleboard. He keeps it outside, so it's not secured at all. And this is a big investment. It's not something that you want to have stolen what would be a solution for myself and all these other people in Pacific Beach who live in very small, cozy places where we could not bring a paddleboard in and store it?
1: Sure, <laughs> that's a great, this is a great entrepreneurial lesson. So I'm yeah. not in the same boat as you. I'm, I'm actually just down the bay um, and I have a two bedroom apartment, but you know, very small and a paddleboard, like originally paddleboards are 12 feet long, yeah. almost three feet wide. So the only space this would fit in an apartment is in my living room, <laughs> I my, you know, my couch. And it's just like, it's a little ridiculous. I can put it on the patio too, but then, you know, you got outside storage issues and stuff like that. So when I, when I looked at starting the paddleboard, you know, company, there were, there's 80 companies in the industry at that time. And I was like, who's making paddleboards for people in, you know, apartments here? Like, yeah, sure. If you have a garage, you can have this massive board or if you are yeah. have, have land on a lake, but a lot of people live in urban areas where you're paying you know, crazy money for rent and you've got a, a beautiful place, but it's tiny. That's me. <laughs> and so there's a lot of people like that. So what we did is we actually sort of changed how paddleboards were. We made them shorter and wider and thicker. And so we could get the same amount of volume in a smaller package so it would fit, you know, and we made a board under 10 feet so we could fit most bedrooms. So it's a nine foot 10 inch board that is like five and a half inches thick where everybody in the industry was making boards that were like four inches thick, 12 feet long. I mean, it was based on traditional um, surfboard design and surfboards are maybe two and a half inches thick. So I came from outside of the industry, knew nothing about it, but we said, you know, there's a better way to make this product. And we weren't anchored with that historical you know, perspective of how this sport came into came into to be, and then um, so that was our first you know product. We said and we said this product is lighter, easier to transport, easier to store, and we sold out of that product before they even landed. We had like our first container was like 110 boards, and it was sold out before it landed on U.S. soil because there was a market for that. Exactly what you're talking yeah. about. And then our our sort of uh, encore was we came out with inflatable paddle boards. There had been these inflatable paddle boards on the market for about four or five years that also were like, you know, four inches thick. And so we, we figured there we could, we love the inflatability of them, but the performance of them was, was horrible hmm. um, because they were just this little flimsy like potato chip thing out in the water that gave you this undulating ride. And we said, how can we change this? So it's more like a hardboard. So we increased the, the thickness to six inches. And what that does is like a beam in a house if you increase the, the thickness by 50%, it increases the rigidity um, by 400%. So all of a sudden we were able to make a much stiffer board again, you know, coming from outside the industry. And we introduced those inflatable boards and those have just, you know, been a great seller. Yeah. And when you, when you're done with that, it rolls up the size of a sleeping bag. So <laughs> if you're in an apartment and you're using it on flat water, inflatable boards are the way you know to go. And as an e-commerce company, You know, we ship these worldwide for free now, whereas a paddleboard is an item you have to put on a freight truck. So the inflatables are actually a much more e-commerce friendly business as well.
0: Wow, that is just a great solution, Stefan. But my question now is how long would it take to inflate one of these things? And do you have automatic inflators?
1: You know, you don't even need an automatic inflator. It's a, uh, it's, it's basically like a high pressure hand pipe. Looks like a big thick bicycle pump. Yeah. And it takes about you know seven minutes to inflate it.
0: Oh wow, that's it. That's and, you,
1: and you can these these inflatable paddleboards. I mean, most people don't even know about these. When they get on one, I mean, they don't know it's inflatable a lot of times by looking at it. Um, but they're they're blown away. And once they realize they're available, unless you're surfing it, if you're surfing it, you really need a hard board. Um, but just for you know lakes and rivers is where most of these boards are sold. The inflatables are a much better option, and inflating it is is very easy, and um, they're indestructible, too. Like we did a video on our website where we threw it off a uh, building and then ran over it with a car five times Inflate inflated (laughs) the paddleboard, and it's no worse for the wear. So they're also very durable. You know, you can just throw it. If you've got a patio on the bay there, you can just throw it off the patio, and it will be down on the (laughs) sand you go down (laughs)
0: sold sold Stefan you have another sale of the inflatable tower boards I'm super pumped thank you for solving my crises now let's chat audible fire nation because you faithfully listen to entrepreneur on fire I know you enjoy audio content That's why I like to share an incredible online service with you that allows you to download audio versions of your favorite books from a library of over 100,000 titles, audible.com. I speak from experience when I say I'm amazed at how many titles I'm able to find on audible.com's online library. And Audible makes downloading audiobooks super easy. All you have to do is click download and voila, you can instantly access your audiobooks from your computer, burn them onto a CD, or upload them onto your iPod or any other MP3 device. That means listening on the go, wherever and whenever you want. Audible.com and Entrepreneur on Fire would like to thank you for listening to today's episode by offering you this. Get a free audiobook and 30-day trial today by signing up at audiblepodcast.com/fire. That's audiblepodcast.com/fire. So listen, we've now reached my favorite part of the show. We're about to enter the lightning round, and this is where I get to ask you, Stefan, a series of questions, and you can back at us Fire Nation with amazing and mind-blowing answers. Sound like a plan?
1: Sounds like a lot of pressure. Yes,
0: <laughs> it totally is. What was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur?
1: I mean, early on was was just, you know, money. Uh, so my advice there is to, to start as early as you can. If you can start in college where you have no fixed expenses and stuff like that, that's the best place to start. Because as you get older and older, you're sort of, your burn rate of just your life goes up and up and up, and it gets harder and harder to make that jump. So mm. the, the earlier, the better is what I say.
0: What is the best advice you've ever received?
1: Okay, I, I used to play basketball when I was, when I was a kid. And my, my dad had told me, like, um, you know, basketball is a game of luck. And, you know, basically the harder you practice, the more you work, the luckier you become. And I think that's a am assuming he borrowed that quote from other people because I've seen it in other places.
0: Oh, yeah. And we love that quote in Entrepreneur on Fire. Luck is where effort meets opportunity.
1: Yeah, that's a much more uh, clean, <laughs> clean way to say it. But the the idea, even as a, you know, a 10, 12-year-old kid, you know, resonated. And totally. And it's the idea of, you know, luck is always involved in everything. Love that. You, you can create uh, a lot of it uh, by hard work. And, you know, I, I have a lot of friends and some of them, you know, went to college, some of them went from grad school and some of them just from high school. And the ones that are successful, it is independent of, you know, education it is, it is all dependent upon sort of their, their sort of work ethic they go into. You can just create opportunities by outworking everybody.
0: Great insights. Do you have an internet resource, Stefan, like an Evernote, that you're just in love with that you can share with our listeners?
1: There's a site that we use called Pangeva, uh, Panjiva, P A N J I V A dot com. That is, it, it's, it's the most magical uh, website you'll, you'll, you can imagine. It aggregates uh, data from Homeland Security. And so any product that's coming into the country, you know, on a container or something like that, um, it will tell you uh, where it originated and who it's going to. And you can go onto this site and you can search for, um, you know, a certain type of product. And you can basically identify all the manufacturers for that. And then uh, you can put in your competitor and you can see where their manufacturers are and then go to one of their manufacturers, plug in that manufacturer name, and then you can see all the people that they service. So it's a way to get sort of a quality score on oversee, um, you know, like, manufacturers and who can make a product for you. Um, And you can, you can, it's, it's impartial information because it's all, you know, chicken scratchings on shipping documents, but you're able to get actually pretty good uh, picture of market share, even with this thing. So it's a, it's, it's a magic tool.
0: What a great resource. And fire nation, you can find the links to this resource and everything that we've mentioned in today's episode by going to entrepreneur on com slash Stefan arstall. Stefan, if you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be?
1: You said you had uh, Tim Ferriss on the show before, but his his uh, book, uh, The Four Hour Workweek, um, was was really sort of a game changing, you know, book for me because it, nice. it just really, you know, made you focus on you know that sort of 80-20 rule, like where, where are you spending most of your time and where what is creating you know most of your output, and uh, in in sort of a uh, sort of strange twist of fate. Um, so I'd read that book maybe, I don't know, when it first came out, 2006 or 2008, around then, and I shared it with a bunch of my buddies. And it just fit for a lot of entrepreneurs. I think it fits perfectly, you know, with your with your sort of your worldview. After, you know, being on Shark Tank and the success of Tower Paddleboards, I've been invited to speak at a few events, and I'm not much of a speaker. Um, and I went to an event uh, literally a month ago in Toronto, and uh, Tim Ferriss was a speaker, Mark Echo of the Echo Clothing Line was a speaker, um, AJ Jacobs. He's like a New York Times, you know, best selling author. He's yes. like four bestsellers. So there was this group of speakers, right? And I'm at that conference and it was a very, you know, interesting event. And one night I came down, you know, to go hang out at the bar with the people after the event. And I had uh A.J. Jacobs was there and I just sort of patted him on the back and I said fantastic speech I voted for you they had like the speaking you know competition where the winning speaker got like 25,000 bucks or something like that and I told A.J. Jacobs I was just like man that was an awesome speech that was incredible and he was you know very He was like thanks man I I really appreciate that hey a bunch of us guys are going out um, you know for some drinks and it was probably midnight at this point. And, uh, so he invited me out with this little group. I go out to the sidewalk and there's like six or seven people, which includes, you know, Tim Ferriss, Mark Echo, AJ Jacobs, another guy, Dan Martell. He's a big VC in Canada. Oh yeah.
0: We've had him on the show.
1: And (laughs) so I find myself one o'clock in the morning out having cocktails, you know, with this little group and Tim Ferriss is sitting next to me. Mark Echo is across the table and it was like, you know, how far you can come (laughs) in a short period of time, a very (laughs) surreal, uh, experience, but a great night.
0: Oh, thank you for sharing that with us. That's a great story, and it's so true. It's happened to me. I mean, I just love that. In such a short period of time, if you associate yourself with the right people, have an open mindset, great things can happen quickly. And Fire Nation, if you haven't already done so, and I know that you love audio, you can get the audio version of the four-hour work week for free by going to eofirebook.com. It's a gift from Audible for Entrepreneur on Fire listeners, eofirebook.com. So, Stefan, this next question's my favorite, but it's kind of tricky. So take your time, digest it, then come back at us with an answer. Imagine you woke up tomorrow morning in a brand new world, identical to Earth, but you knew no one. You still have all the experience and knowledge you currently have, your food and shelter is taken care of, but all you have is a laptop and $500. What would you do in the next seven days?
1: I would start diving into uh, to social media. <laughs> That's what I would do. I think there's a, there's a huge opportunity right now um, to make a business in social media. I think there's, um, there's very little expertise in this realm, but um, I think if you can sort of crack that nut before everybody else does, um, there's a there's a lot of money to be made there. Uh, my whole business, uh, you know, now is based on sort of search engine optimization. And when I came out of grad school in '99, you're not in the in the same boat as you're talking about because instead of having you know $500, you have you know $50,000 in debt and right. all that stuff. <laughs> but um, you know, I I learned SEO, and I was the young guy in the company. And they just said, hey, you take care of, you know, the internet marketing here. And that's a a large part of how we built that company. Mm -hmm. Um, And I learned that expertise. And then that expertise from, you know, that was 14, 15 years ago. um, That one skill (laughs) still carries me, you know, today. And I think if I was coming out right now and I had to, you know, do the same thing over, I think, you know, social media, you know, specifically probably Twitter um, would be the area where you could really – set yourself apart from a lot of
0: people. Well, Stefan, I've so enjoyed this interview. I've gotten so many golden nuggets. I love the fact that I now can go out and get a paddleboard, an inflatable one, roll it up, keep it under my bed here. That's a game changer. I'm so stoked about that. So share with Fire Nation one parting piece of guidance, then share how we can find you, and then we'll say goodbye.
1: My piece of guidance would be, I think, uh, you know, focusing your direction and, and really spend a lot of time uh, just defining and describing where you want to be. What's, what's an ideal situation for you? I mean, this is, I think, a lot of what Tim Ferriss's book, you know, talked about was just sort of, you know, you, you need to define where you want to be. And once you define that, you just sort of gravitate toward, towards being there. Um, so I think a lot of entrepreneurs will just be like, Hey, I want to start a business. I think this is the way to make money. And this be much more specific. You know, what are your interests and what are your capabilities and, you know, create an ideal situation there and just define it. And then once you define that, then, you know, just keep your head on a swivel, uh, for opportunities. And eventually an opportunity is going to come along that, uh, you know, resonates very closely, closely, uh, with, with your target, and, and that's how you'll, you'll know. That's an opportunity you want to go after uh, because I think it's really really important to go after the right opportunities and not spend too much time you know, chasing opportunities or uh, pursuing opportunities that ultimately at the end of the day aren't even going to make you that uh, happy.
0: And how can we find you?
1: You can find me on Twitter at Stefan Arstall. Uh, that's S-T-E-P-H-A-N A-A-R-S-T-O-L. And you can find the company tower com, and all of our contact information is on there. So if you want to give me a call or uh, drop me an email, uh, I'd love to hear from entrepreneur, entrepreneurs and uh, I'm pretty busy, but, you know, I can help.
0: Well, thank you for that, Stefan. And Fire Nation is aware they can find the links to everything that we've talked about on today's episode, entrepreneuronfire.com slash Stefan arstall. Stefan, thank you for being so generous with your time, your expertise, your experience. Fire Nation salutes you and we'll catch you on the flip side.
1: All right. Thank you, John. It was a pleasure.
0: Fire Nation, you're not alone. When you join our mastermind community, Fire Nation Elite, you'll be joining a tribe of like-minded people who are here to help you feel confident about your business, help you find the right track, and help you grow your business, launch your new products or services, and become the entrepreneur you've always wanted to be. 100% support, 100% of the time. Visit FireNationElite.com to fill out your application and schedule a one-on-one 15-minute chat with me today. Thank you for joining us at EntrepreneurOnFire.com, your daily dose of inspiration. Prepare to ignite.